So you have all these parallels. You have parents, you have children, you have trees, you have this spilling of innocent blood, and but you have what happens as a result of choices that are being made by the parents and how their example trickles down to their kids. Hello and welcome back to Deep in Christ. I'm your host, John Mark Grodi, here at the Coming Home Network International, bringing to you another conversation about this, our daily walk with Jesus Christ, this task that we share together as Christian brothers and sisters. It's great to be here with you uh, and with my good brother, Kenny, again this week. How are you doing, Kenny? I'm doing great. Uh, <clears throat> like a lot of people in America, you know, dealing with the winter stuff, you know, a yeah, little, yeah. little bit of froggy voice and all that kind of stuff. But other than that, great. And like you, um, are we using an app or something to make sure we get this, the sweater Just colors nice and right? crisp? Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. Yeah. That's I, I gray, said last week I didn't today. have any more sweaters, but I then I remembered I had this gray one. So there's yeah. always the thrift the thrift shop if you, you need to find another sweater. It's right down from my house. I have no excuse. <laughs> I'll have to get some more sweaters. Well, we're continuing our discussion about the cross, the cruciform yeah. shape of discipleship, as you've been saying. Yeah. Uh, and I'm yeah. really excited. We had a great couple discussions. Last week we talked about marriage and about uh, entering into mm. the difficulties of marriage as Christ does, you know, um, entering into our our spouse's struggles and suffering and wounds, yeah. not either not either st- stepping back from those nor kind of leaning in to dominate and control, but to being right with a person in their suffering, and that's how we we really yeah. enter into this 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 marital um, uh, marital relationship uh, in imitation of Christ. This week yes. we turn to another. A area of life that has a lot of crosses, but we're called as Christians yes. to embrace those crosses. So what are we talking about this week? Well, we could call this uh, episode, if we wanted to, the cruciform family. So we're widening yeah. the scope a bit. Um, it includes marriage for sure. And probably a big focus today would be really um, cross-shaped parenting, if you will, or the cross yeah as a parent might experience it, and even a child as well. We, ha- we have to look at how the dynamic between parent and child happens. And uh, in, a, in a believing family, in a Christian family, there's a cross for everybody. There's a cross for parents, and there's a cross for children. And so we want to try and unpack um, some, some biblical and theological uh, texts and ideas that can help an average Christian family know how to embrace the cross uh, as disciples of Jesus in specifically how they live as a family. So that's, I hope we can get through some of those big pieces today. I'm excited. I'm excited to learn. <laughs> I want uh, to dig into the scriptures with you today, Kenny. So cool. Let's do it. Good. Yeah, well, I thought the, the best place to start is kind of pulling back, let's say from from Scripture, uh, imagine we're taking a wide-angle lens view of the Bible, okay? And so at the beginning of the story of Scripture, we find a family. And then later, we're going to meet another family. And as Catholics, um, we, we can get really excited about this one because we're going to meet 
let's call them an unholy family and a holy family and try to learn how the cross um, comes to bear and how cross-bearing becomes a central part of family life. And so, you know, even when I'm talking to my son about how the Bible works, I'll try to give him uh, groupings of two. There's, it's a story about two men, for instance, Adam and Jesus. Uh, it's a story about two versions of humanity. It's also a story about two families. And, and interestingly, um, the, the catechism calls Adam and Eve our first parents. Over and over and over again, it uses that terminology that Adam and Eve are our first parents. And when we look at that family, we see parallels between um, um, what happens to them and then what God's ideal is for the family, which is really embodied in the Holy Family, Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. So in the first family, to kind of put a theological scaffolding in, in place here, you see the uh, God investing this family with a familial vocation, right? He says, um, this is your wife, this is your husband, be fruitful and multiply, fill the earth and subdue it. And their vocation then is to go out and be the image of God in the whole world and bring about God's order, God's reign, God's kingdom, to expand the borders of God's reign over the whole world. That's right. what they're supposed to do. And um, and they at a tree. Now this is there's a, there's a tree uh, with both families at a tree. One family decides, we don't want to do it God's way. We don't want to obey God. We want to take our own lives into our own hands, make our own decisions, make up our own rules, um, figure out life on our own terms. We know what God has said. We know what God wants. But we're going to listen to other voices. We're going to listen to subversive voices, contrary voices, lying voices. And we're going to take those voices into our heads. And then we're going to act on them. And in doing that, they bring their family into ruin. And you see very quickly in the story of the first family that what happens with their children, because they do start having children in their fallen state, um, that their sons grow up and you know to have conflict. And one son, Cain, kills the other son, Abel. So there's the spilling of blood in, in both families. And this blood is crying out from the ground. Uh, the writer of Hebrews says that there's blood that cries out from the death of Jesus that speaks a better word than the blood that was spilled uh, with Cain and Abel. So you have all these parallels. You have parents, you have children, you have trees, you have the spilling of innocent blood, and but you have what happens as a result of choices that are being made by the parents and how their example trickles down to their kids. And so with our, with our first family, uh, our first parents, as, as the church refers to them, we have parental failure, right? Mm -hmm. And the failure centers on disobedience to the way of the Lord. God has a way uh, that he wants a family to live in the world. And so just really generally speaking, a family <clears throat> is going to experience life in the world as God intends it, as they embrace the way of the Lord, whatever it means specifically for that family. I mean, there are general things that would be true for all families, 
but mm-hmm. not all families are experiencing life in the same way. So it's really good. And what comes to my mind is it's interesting. There at the tree, our first family, our first parents, um, part of the temptation of the evil one is to consider what beforehand uh, were things that were easy and delightful, but still mm-hmm. crosses in a certain sense, but but now yep. to look at them differently, right? Obedience in the garden before the fall was not experienced as a cross. It was their very delight right. to walk with the right. Lord, to be in perfect union with, with him, to listen to him, to o- obey him. Those weren't experienced as crosses because they, exactly. you know, in a sense, they weren't because of the, the place of their soul. But then you, you have this bit of doubt, this bit of fear mm-hmm. that enters in, and this sin. And now, mm-hmm. ever since then, we're on this road of 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 now having to experience these things as difficult crosses on our way back mm-hmm. to union with God. But I think mm-hmm. it's important to, again, recognize that in the beginning it was not so. The desire was this perfect unity with God, and that those right. things that now on this side of heaven are difficult for us, we have to recognize we're working our way back to a place where those things are, are easy and are, are delightful. It should be uh, our delight to obey God. And the only reason right. it's not is because we're fallen. But that's right. that's where we're headed back towards. That's the way of right. the cross leads back to this place where we are uh, united with God again. Exactly. And so in a sense, we're, you know, um, some of the fathers were really good at, at thinking about, about this. I believe it was uh, Irenaeus or Irenaeus, depending on your background, who f- sort of formed the theological idea of recapitulation that what uh, what Jesus is doing is let's use some terminology here unadaming Adam. Um, so we're un we're undoing what Adam and Eve have done. So so in a sense we have to re- rewind the tape or watch it in reverse. And when you go to the New Testament and you watch what what Jesus and Mary and Joseph are doing, they're stepping into the footprints of our first parents backwards and walking them out of their fallenness. And that does involve going back to a tree um, and doing something different at the tree than what was done at the first tree. Uh, disobedient. And, and that's why we said in the, in the first episode that one way of looking at the cross is that it is a call to radical obedience. And like you said, the, um, the first parents are called to radical obedience. I mean, everything mm-hmm. about their life needs to be about you know, this is what God has said, and we live in the world on his terms. But like, but like you said, the there's a tree there, but it isn't a suffering kind of proposition at that time. Um, it's brought about, you know, suffering is brought about because of disobedience. So the way back is through the cross, through the tree, and through obedience. And so um, what we have to do now as Christian parents, as Christian families, is find a family in the Bible that does it differently from our first parents. We, if we're going to have a cruciform family, if we're going to have a cross-shaped family, we're going to live as disciples, then we have to have examples, right? I mean, I, I need examples, um, you need examples, and Scripture gives us the not only a, a, a prototype, but an archetype example in the holy family of Jesus, Mary, and Joseph. So um, there's a few things that we, we could look at here um, because we've got to get back to the cross. Like you, you talked about it as a journey. Well, for this family, there is a journey to the cross. And, um, 
And what's interesting in the story is they don't exactly understand it at first. I mean, if you listen to what um, Gabriel, for instance, says to Mary uh, when he comes to her, there's not a there's not there's no cross language in there. <laughs> it's just a really good announcement, and even in her Magnificat, it's a celebration of how God's going to deliver His people and set them free, and He's going to make everything right again. Um, but then, little by little, as the story unfolds, especially in Luke, little hints of the cross of cruciform language start coming into play. For instance, when uh, Mary and Joseph take their son to be dedicated, as uh, the law of Moses says you're supposed to do with your firstborn, you take him, you dedicate him to the Lord. Well, they meet this character, uh, a prophet, uh, Simeon, and he has some really cool things to say about how wonderful this child is. And then he turns and he looks at Mary. And what does he say to her? A sword shall pierce your heart. Oh, what? <laughs> so far, everything I've heard has been amazing. Um, yeah. So this language that this is going to be a hard journey um, to undo, to un-Adam, Adam and Eve, to un-Adam and Eve, Adam and Eve, to un um, you know, unfall, if you will, the yeah. world, we're going to have to experience something that's that's painful. Yeah. And it's so interesting right there, right? Because this begins to get in to some of the subtleties uh, of Catholic theology of suffering, mm -hmm. um, mm -hmm. about how we experience Christ's redemptive act. Like we are saved by Christ's redemptive act by putting our faith in him. But how does mm -hmm. that saving happen? What well, happens through our life, through our daily obedience, and right. and it involves, you know, like passing through that. It involves, you know, suffering. Uh, and so, even Our Lady, whom we believe as Catholics was immaculately conceived, who was who was yes, protected amen. from sin, who remained holy throughout her life, even she to experience, you know, uh, Christ's redemptive act. That's still e even in her holy state that involved mm -hmm. experiencing the suffering of the cross. And so that's, that again, that's true. We, we, we have to still enter into that. It's given to us freely. We can do nothing to earn it, but then we have to enter into it and experience it and continue to walk forward in it. Yeah, it's true. And so God is giving the, the Holy Family a vocation, just like he gave uh, the first family, our first parents, a vocation, a calling, a responsibility to do something on God's terms for God and to represent God's interests in the whole world on behalf of all humanity. He, he gives that vocation to our first parents. He then gives it to, um, to Joseph and Mary, who then have to make sure, and this is where the parenting angle comes in, they have to make sure that the Son of God, that Jesus, grows up to become exactly what God intends for him. They're not just passively watching Jesus grow up, you know, under only the tutelage of God. Like, like Jesus just has a relationship with God. He doesn't have any, you know, he's not getting anything from his parents because he's Jesus. I mean, that's a fallacy. Um, that you find out really early in the story. Uh, in fact, when Jesus um, is is twelve and he and he stays in the temple and his family goes home, um, it says after they have their family talk <laughs> that Jesus 
went home and was obedient to them from that day, uh, and that he grew in favor with God and with people. And so, so there's a there's a parenting relationship that happens with Joseph and Mary. They are responsible to parent Jesus in such a way that he understands who he is in God's economy, in God's household, in God's big plan for the human race, and that he is 100% sold out to, to being that and staying on track with that. Because as we will see in the life of Jesus, he's going to have occasions where other forces, other voices, yeah. other things happen to him that could derail him. Well, yeah. Where does he get? Where does he get the stuff that he needs to make it through those times of temptation? Yeah, he gets it from the Lord for sure, but <laughs> he gets it from the Lord in many ways by virtue of getting it from his parents. And I, I just right. wish all, I wish all, all Christian parents know knew that. I, I don't know how you have heard or seen or experienced people. With the yeah, but it's Jesus um, idea. I, I, I'm not yeah. sure. Well, I, I think it's one of those things that yeah, it, it, if it boggles the mind a little bit, it should. I and mean, there's a great mystery here. Uh, the church. One of the reasons we have the church and the teaching authority of the church throughout the years is to is to give us these these guideposts. You know, mm-hmm. can we figure out in our mind how Christ can be fully God and fully man? Well, no, I can't. Can really conceive of that. All I have are, is the church, the church's authority, saying, "Well, but it's got to be that way because that's what we have from the tradition from Scripture." And the and really the best way that we can experience that is not necessarily through philosophically trying to figure it out. It's by simply allowing ourselves to experience the Scriptures. And the Scripture gives us this mystery of God becoming man. He's fully God. He's fully man. You know, he talk he talks to the Father. He prays. He's in relationship with God. Um, though he is God, you know, in the Trinity there, and yet he is fully human and he has, he was born and he, and he gets consecrated and he has parents and he has to grow up. We don't know how exactly that works, but it simply does. And, and it's presented to us in sacred scripture. And so we, we can learn best, not by trying to eliminate the mystery, but simply by experiencing it there in, in scripture. It's true, and now, and now as families, as as Christians experience family life, yeah, um, we step into, in a sense, the story of Scripture that really is soaked in family life. It really is the story yeah. of the human family and of a family that goes astray, and how God saves the world. Really, you could say this: the Bible is the story of how God saves the world through a family. Yeah. It really is. I mean, every time you turn around, God's picking a family and saying, hey, it's your family, it's your family, it's your family, right. it's your family, until he comes to the archetype family in the New Testament. Uh, and this would be um, would be Mary and Joseph and the gift that God gives to them and the vocation that God gives to them is to parent God's own son. And um, that's huge. Talk about parental responsibility. And, uh, you know, I, I only have one son, and we adopted him when he was three years old. But I'll, I'll tell you, as soon as the courts, you know, we, had, we adopted him from Ukraine. As soon as the courts decreed that he was our son and basically put him in our hands and we left, I felt the weight of responsibility for this other life. 
now that had been put into my hands and it did something in my mind. I, and you, you've had that happen more times than me and you're yeah, about to have it happen up. again. <laughs> yeah. Here in a couple months here, coming up on number six, but I know exactly what you're talking about. I mean, that really, that changed me in a big way more than, and sometimes more than getting married did is when my wife and I brought uh, a child into the world, that moment really changed things. And then so too, every child since has been a moment of of conver further conversion or reconversion to that this is a serious gift but also call that god has given us yeah yeah absolutely what what um mary and joseph don't know on the front end they they learn it later i'm not we're not sure how much joseph knew uh, at the time of his death about where the cross figures in to or or where death figures in to what's going to happen to his son but Along the way in the New Testament story, Jesus himself begins talking about the cross as being his earthly destination in terms of how he's going to bring about salvation for the world. And Mary is with him in that. And not only is she with him in it, but there are Catholic thinkers who have helped us to see that Mary is actually helping Jesus to get to where He's going. So there's a parental lesson in there. It's right out of the right out of the gate. All of our kids have their own calling by God. Like they're brought into the world to become the, the person that God has called them to be. We're talking to our son a lot now about, you know, someday mom and dad aren't gonna be here. We didn't talk to him so much about that when he was younger because we didn't want to freak out his little mind. But as he's he's transitioned into manhood. We talk to him about you know the future in really different ways because we understand he's got to keep living for God after after we're gone. So part of parenting is getting your child ready for their own calling. So somehow uh, Joseph and Mary have to get Jesus ready for his 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 big responsibility to God, and and that involves the cross. And in the same way, every parent, once they, once you have a child, like the rules change, right? We were doing whatever we wanted to do. We had our own goals, our own ideas, what we thought we were going to do with our lives. Along comes a child. The life of that child dramatically affects the trajectory of our lives. Now that human being's calling, that human being's place in God's economy and in God's household now becomes a major motivator for how we are to live our lives. Um, now we are, in a sense, shaping them for their future. The, the Old Testament, I, I believe it's, uh, it's either Proverbs or Psalms, talks about them as being arrows that the, that the parent shoots, you know, that they're going to go out further than, than where the parent is. So we take on the responsibility of shaping a child's calling. And in the Holy Family, what we have is they've got to get Jesus insofar as they're responsible for it. They've got to get Jesus ready for a cross. Right. Um, if, this might be a good, a good time to read a couple of quotes. I was digging around. I thought, did I see this in the early fathers? Where did I see this idea of especially Mary helping 
to use the terminology, helping Jesus to get to the cross. And I actually found it in the notes in the Ignatius Catholic Study Bible in the section on the wedding at Cana. Um, it uh, is reflecting on um, what Mary is doing in her interaction with Jesus. I just read this quote to you, uh, the note from the uh, Ignatius Catholic Study Bible says, in Genesis 3, we find a reverse image of the Cana episode. And that's why I said, let's build the scaffolding on the whole biblical story. Yeah. The author of the note here in the Ignatius Catholic Study Bible is saying, set the wedding at Cana next to what happens in Genesis 3 and look at them as, as opposite images, if you will. And then it says, as Eve prompted Adam to defy the Lord and dragged the human family into sin. So Mary prompts Jesus, the new Adam, to initiate his mission of salvation. The description of Mary even alludes to Genesis 3.15, where Yahweh speaks of a woman whose son will trample the devil underfoot. And this is where, you know, the theology in here just will grab you yeah because <laughs> when i wasn't a catholic and i'd read the wedding story at cana and i would hear jesus talk to to mary he calls her woman and i would take kind of the let's call it maybe the american macho interpretive lens of that and say you know jesus said to his mother woman and he kind of you know <laughs> uh, dismisses her woman the funds. No, be careful, be careful, be careful. What Jesus is doing is using the highest term possible for his mother, um, which is, is what God calls her in Genesis. She shall be called woman because she will be the, the mother of all the living, right? And so Jesus assigns the the biblical term the highest biblical term and vocation to his own mother at that moment in cana and he calls her woman in other words she mary is stepping into the place of eve in that very moment jesus is putting her in her place but not the way that i thought about it before yeah uh, is is Jesus putting Mary in her place? You bet he is, into the place of the second Eve. <laughs> she yeah. is the woman who's going to reverse what was done by the, the first woman. And, and how is she doing it? How is she doing it? Well, she's doing it as a mother. Well, how's she doing it as a mother? She's helping her son to push over a domino, if you want to use a metaphor. One domino to do his first miracle recorded in Scripture, which is to turn water into a wine at, at Cana. And then Jesus uses this terminology of hour. Well, it's not my hour yet. What's that? That's cruciform language. That's cross-shaped language. He's talking about the hour of his passion, of his sacrifice. It's not time for that yet. Yes, but we have to get to that hour. We have to start the clock a-ticking. And so we've got to get you moving. And he says, well, it's not yet my hour. And what's so funny about this story to me, you've probably heard it 10,000 times more than I have because you've been Catholic longer than me. But Mary doesn't argue with Jesus about whether it's his hour or not. She just turns to the people at the wedding 
uh, the servants and says, do whatever he tells you to do. And you almost have to wonder if you can insert a camera shot in there where Mary kind of winks at Jesus and gives him the mother's look and then looks over at the servants and says, do whatever he tells you. And then he's kind of saying, well, I guess I'm doing what mom said, you know. <laughs> I don't know. I mean, you may do it differently yeah, yeah. than me. I'm not sure how you, how you would, would look at that. Yeah, you know, I love the connection. It's so incredible. Um, and it's so significant, I think, in the context of this whole discussion, too, that his first miracle is in the context of a wedding, the context right. of, of a family event, you know, two people coming exactly. together to form a family. And, you know, it's interesting, again, talking about Mary and talking about Christ's cross, we, we have a lot of uh, time shifts in the gospel where the the experiencing of the effects of the cross is actually being experienced before the cross. You know, Mar we have Mary's mm -hmm. Immaculate Conception. Well, I think we experience in the wedding at Cana, we have this miracle where what does Christ want for marriage? He wants wine. He wants to turn your water into wine. He doesn't want mm -hmm. your marriage to be like the world's marriages. You know, that, that in the beginning, it was not so. He wants to transform you. He wants you to have a, a, a relationship, a family that is full of life and abundance, that's spilling over mm -hmm. with God's abundant love, and the wine represents right. that. But it's through the cross, and that's what we find out later. Exactly. But it's, it's so significant that, it be, that the first miracle is an overflowing uh, abundance of joy <laughs> manifested in the wine here at exactly. this wedding. I just think that's so incredible. Yeah. And in a sense, there's some sa there's some salvation imagery there, as you said. I mean, what yeah. what Jesus does in that miracle is he transforms an, an average, everyday, mundane thing like water in clay pots into wine. And that's, that's done through a supernatural act of grace, of the supernatural coming into the everyday world. And that is a picture of salvation. And so, so in that sense, it's, it's got the seeds of redemption, the seeds of, uh, of salvation and redemption inside of it. They're going to grow over time. We're going to end up at a tree. At, at some point again, and we're going to have to make a choice at that tree to either obey God or not, just like the first parents did. And so, right. you know, bringing all of this back to cruciform parenting um, or cross-shaped parenting, uh, um, Mary, as Jesus's mother, it, it says early that earlier that when she's looking around at everything happening, uh, you know, wise men coming and bringing gifts, prophets and prophetesses saying things to her, etc. It says Mary treasured or pondered all of these things in her heart. Well, what's yeah. she doing there? Well, one way of thinking about that is she's looking at this child that God's entrusted to her, and she's trying to make sense of everything that's happening in her life and his so that she can have the right perspective of what God is doing in their lives and stay true to it. That's a lot of work as parents. I mean, isn't it easy to just go on autopilot and not think about what God's doing and just, you know, go through the motions? Um, there's a lesson, a parenting lesson in here from, from Mary that a parent has to take time to step back and, and think about how does what's happening in my life right now, even the mundane things like running out of wine, how, how does that fit into the bigger picture of what God is calling? And how can I impress the will of God in this mundane, everyday circumstance on 
my child so that they can fit that into a bigger sense of calling. I mean, it's it's the everyday stuff of life, isn't it, that shapes um, how a child grows up uh, and and becomes either a faithful Christian or not. You know, this idea of Mary uh, and Joseph in their role as parents preparing Christ for the cross. You know, one of the things that brings to my mind is again the again there's two erring extremes that that could be there uh, for parents for his parents in the sense of shielding our kids from all crosses in other words not really preparing right. them for their mission um or not uh on the on the other end not positively helping them to know who they are you know their identity mm-hmm. their calling mm-hmm. to encourage mm-hmm. them and build them up it's like it's like we could fail in two ends there but in the middle is yes. building them up you know pointing them toward their cross not shielding them you know t- from the preparation necessary but True. continuing to build them up on the positive side yeah, that's really true, and it's a delicate balance, and we're mostly sure. not really good at it. Um, <laughs> it. It takes it takes time, you know, to learn how to to be a parent. You know, by the time your kids grow up and move out, you're like, "Hey, I figured it out. Where are you going?" No, <laughs> come on. <laughs> I, I, now I know. Now I know. And then the older kids probably are like, "How come she's well?" Because I learned. Yeah. You know, I learned your, with you. Your head pops up I've from pondering it, it in your heart, and you're like, "Where'd they go?" <laughs> Yeah, but but you know, on a serious note, jo- um, yeah. Joseph and Mary have one child, and they got to get it right because he's the son of God, and he's got a vocation. He's got to un Adam Adam. He's got to save the world. You know, it's the greatest superhero story ever told. <laughs> ever and told. <laughs> his parents and his parents are hugely integral to that. Like God doesn't drop Jesus down on a mountain in a cloud and and introduce him as a fully adult man saying, "Hey, here's your guy." Nope, he puts him in a in the into the world the way everybody comes into the world through uh, through childbirth and through being raised and going through life's experiences and being entrusted to the care of a parent. And so every parent now listening to this has an example in scripture, a family that is centered on the cross because they they really are. That's where Jesus's life is going. It's going to the cross. The cross in this sense represents radical obedience to God, they have to make sure that that's how their son is shaped, that he is radically obedient to the father and the father's intentions for his life. They have to pour into him so that that's the kind of person that he becomes. And in 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 so doing, they themselves have to be obedient to the purposes, to the purposes of God for their own lives and for his. So nobody can be on autopilot here. Uh, nobody can just kind of waltz their, their way through life and hope it all turns out right. This has to be very intentional. Um, the, the catechism, maybe it's a good place to read something from the catechism and then just give some final uh, encouragement to parents as we come in for a landing. Um, there's a lot about parenting in the catechism and um, a lot about how to see these archetypes and prototypes of families in our own parenting. And one section is uh, uh, paragraph 2618, 2618. It says, The gospel reveals to us how Mary prays and intercedes in faith. At Cana, the mother of Jesus asks her son for the needs of a wedding feast. This is the sign of another feast, that the wedding of the Lamb, where he gives his body and blood at the request of the church, his bride. 
It is at the hour of the new covenant at the foot of the cross that Mary is heard as the woman, the new Eve, the true mother of all living. And so, in a sense, parents, mothers and fathers, can step into what Mary is doing and look for what God is doing in their children, who their children are, how their children are wired and made and created, and discern along with their child what their calling and vocation in the world is. And then, like Mary and like Joseph, help that child to that vocation through very intentional engagement. And there's just a lot of different things. Maybe we, you and I can spitball here some of the things yep. that parents can be intentional about um, with their kids. I'll, I'll share a few. You can share a few. I think the basics are, are right there. I think, I think that every faithful uh, Christian parent needs to walk their children through the sacraments, um, through through baptism, through catechesis, through confirmation, through First Communion. Well, we see the Holy Family doing this with Jesus. According to the Law of Moses, they're taking Jesus, they're dedicating him to the Lord, they're taking him to the temple, he's being circumcised, he's being brought into the covenant family, he has prophetic words spoken to him in uh, the house of the Lord, they're regularly going to the feasts and to the holy days. They, they are immersing their son in the covenant family in the life of faith. So that would be uh, that'd be a first step. Um, I'll let you go. I've got a couple more, but anything you would you would say in terms of just basic parenting responsibilities here? Sure. Yeah. Obviously, teaching them to pray and being the example of that. I mean, we have in Mary and Joseph mm-hmm. two people who who knew God and feared God and were obedient to God. They mm-hmm. already had a relationship with the Almighty God before this mm-hmm. vocation was given to them. And so some, it's so easy as parents, especially when we when we are concerned about where our kids are going or how they're going to turn out, mm-hmm. to to uh, put on a show of faith, you know, praying, f- mm-hmm. you know, for them to hear, you know, or or going through the motions out of, but it has to first mm-hmm. and foremost come from our example of we we mm-hmm. know God. You know, we are in relationship with God, and that's what we're sharing with Him. And so, um, yeah. that's one I'm always returning to. Is it? You know, I I can say all the things in the world, but it has to come out of a place of authenticity in my own life. Absolutely, it's uh, one way of thinking about it is living your faith in front of your children. You know, in in both, um, you know, inside the view of the church or within the view of the church, and then outside of church. When I was pastoring. I had a lot of uh, um, angry young people that would talk to me about how they had a church dad and a house dad, and that dad wasn't the same person in both places. And what you find out about Joseph and Mary is they are very, very consistent in who they are as people. The Bible gives us behind-the-scenes looks at them when no one else is around except God and, and angels, and and, and you see them contemplating and pondering and praying and dreaming and acting and doing their faith in front of their child. So, and on a practical level, I want to, I want my son to see me reading the Bible at home. I want my son to see me on my knees. I want my son to see me cry uh, when I'm going through a trial and cry out to God and pray. I want him to see me rejoice when God does something good in my life and cling to him when when I'm having a trial. I want him to see me ministering to other people so that he knows, oh, he can do that too. And then I want to give him responsibilities to take on spiritual weight in the family. Something as simple as having your child lead a prayer, you know, at dinner, uh, all those, yeah. you know, basic 
spiritual exercises. Uh, that these are small things that get you ready for big things. Again, the wedding yes. at Cana being an example. Hey, do this first. We're not walking on water, you know. We're not casting out demons. We're not, you know, we're not doing a lot of big. We're not feeding the multitudes yet. We're going to do this, and then we're going to get to the cross. And and I think you know, parenting is a lot, a lot like that. You're giving your child um, opportunities to grow in their own faith. And then another big one for me is uh, different from Mary and Jesus. We experience the need to to apologize a lot. Um, there's there that go. old joke that I love where, you know, Mary and Joseph and Jesus are sitting around the family dinner table. Uh, you heard this one, right? And there's, it, there's a little bit of tension in the air. And Joseph looks <laughs> I to haven't his left heard this. and Joseph looks to his right and it says, well, it must be me. <laughs> <laughs> must so, have been me. Must be me. So yeah, exactly. our, our, our call <laughs> as fathers and mothers and children is to lead the yeah. way in apologizing when we've made mistakes, when we've messed up, because right. we do. But our right. kids need to see that humility. They need to see that reconciliation. They need to um, you know, be brought back into relationship when, when we've messed it up so that they too can, can learn that and begin to do that in their life. Because that, that becomes an all-important aspect of our faith life that you know, when Christ says, I came not to call the righteous but sinners, what's the real distinction is between the sinners and those who will admit their sin, who will cry out, as mm-hmm. you said, cry out to God for help, especially when they've mm-hmm. messed up, when they're admitting their own brokenness. And so if they mm-hmm. don't see us, admitting our brokenness, apologizing, calling out to God, um, they're not, they need to learn that from us. They need to see it in action so that they can imitate it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, maybe in my final contribution here, I'll just preach a little for a couple of seconds and maybe even possibly our genius video guy, Seth, could even find some beautiful uh, images of the Holy Family to put up here. But but the let's let the last thing or the first thing be the last thing the the scripture gives us a family as a way to help us think about our 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 place in the world and in god's household it begins with a family uh, a, a wife and a husband that decide not to do things God's way. And they ruin the world and their children are ruined because of it. There's a tree, there's fruit, there's blood, there's death. There, And then there is suffering that's unleashed and there's a grave and you're not getting out of the grave um, in that first story. You're stuck there. In the day that you eat of it, you will surely die. And then the Bible gives us another family on the other side. This is a family that has a tree too. There's fruit, the blessed fruit of your womb, Jesus, we talk about in the, in the Hail Mary. There's a tree. There is death. There is a grave. But then there's resurrection and vindication and ascension and becoming what uh, humanity is supposed to be. Everybody gets back to the place that they're supposed to be, which is at the right hand of God, uh, having dominion over the world, uh, imaging God in the world as a male and female humanity, as a family, as a holy family, and being what we were, we were created to be. And the way to that, the way to that uh, re-imaging and restoration of the family is through the cross. And so every family, every mother and father, has to embrace radical obedience to God, has to know who their children are, uh, study them, pray for them, engage them, and, and bring them along on their own journey of faith, and help them, as 
Mary and Joseph help their own son to his cross, help their children to whatever radical obedience to God means for them. And that is just a snapshot of what Scripture gives us. Uh, It gives us a cross for parenting. Amen, brother. Thanks, Kenny, for this discussion, man. Well, now I got to go out and do it, (laughs) right? (laughs) Turn away and go be a dad and go be a husband. But I have a holy family to look up to, and I'm so grateful for that. Yeah. No, yeah, I appreciate the insight and the discussion, Kenny. And I thank you, uh, viewer or listener, for being here with us for this discussion on this, you know, our our task of imitating Christ, but especially imitating his cross, you know, taking on that discipleship. We thank you for being here. Remember, as always, uh, to like this video, subscribe, do all those internet things so that you can continue the discussion with us. Uh, and this is a production of the Coming Home Network International. We are a network of people who have embraced the Catholic Church and those who are thinking about doing so. And, you know, with this topic in particular, you know, we have a lot of members who, you know, through their study and through their walk with the Lord have become convinced that they need to become Catholic or at least consider that possibility. And that introduces a lot of new crosses into family life. And we have a lot mm-hmm. of members for whom, you know, that that is a cross that they are have to be patient with and pray through and ponder through for a long time as they as they work it out uh, in God's timing. And so if if that's you or you know if whatever cross you are facing if you are thinking about becoming Catholic this is your network. You know, we're your people. We want to walk with you on that journey and so check out the coming home network at www.chnetwork.org and be sure to check out our community at community.chnetwork.org. Uh, where you can uh, journey along there digitally with the show and other shows and other members who are are trying to figure out uh, you know the next steps in their walk with Jesus. So thanks again for listening. God bless you. We'll talk to you again next week. <laughs>